So here's what we're doing. In case you missed it when I said it last week, we are creating a tool for you to use for your own personal growth, but more than that, to help other people follow Jesus. And I don't want you to be intimidated today. You're thinking, oh no, I'm not a missionary, I'm not Billy Graham, I'm not, you know. I, 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 you think about it like this. Think about it like this. Uh, uh, Sunday, it's okay if I use you as a personal illustration. Yeah, sure. Sunday and I, I, I always, always remember, and I've said it dozens of times, the first thing I ever remember you saying to me is, we are here for Charlotte. You remember that? That's, I think that might have been one of the first things you ever said to me. Over nine years ago, and and here's Charlotte all growing up and growing up, and that is one of the most powerful instincts anybody can have. You wanted to be a good grandma, didn't you? And you wanted to be a good influence on Charlotte. So if Charlotte ever came to you and said, Grandma, how can I make pie? You'd figure it out. And if she said to you, you know, hey, Grandma, I need a little money for my dance lessons, you'd you'd hit Ed up for the money. I mean, you'd find the money from your own hard work, um, right? You would you'd do that. And if she said, Grandma, I'm not sure how to get to heaven, you would tell her, wouldn't you? Yeah, Amen. You wouldn't give that to somebody else. You'd say, here, come here, sit down. I'll, I'll explain that to you. You see what I'm saying? So we have people, you, do, you see what I'm saying? If you don't like nod or look interested, I, I don't know if I, I have to repeat things. Do you want me to repeat things? No, no. Lois is going to tell me today, please don't threaten the people. You know, they pay us, so don't threaten them. Be nice to the people. I'm, okay, I, I can hear you. She, she didn't say that. Anyway, we want to make sure that we can tell people directions to have an episode. Young one time, he said something like, he said, hey, you know, the way to such and such. He goes, yeah, yeah. He's down on the corner. There used to be a bar place down and it was real vague and I remember the next time we were alone I said to him one thing is a man does and women probably do this too but I tied it to his manhood you know I said one thing a man does is he learns how to give clear directions a man should learn how to give clear directions so if somebody says you say you know east north south east and west and you give really clear and what's cute now is he's out in the southwest now he's out of the police work and he's back into oil back in New Mexico and West Texas and all he does all day every day is he gives directions. I'm telling you how to give the most important directions in the world to people that are precious to God that you love or really should love. And I know you already know this a little bit, but it's just like strengthening that. And so what I want to do is I have a kind of vision in my own heart and and the elders and the leaders in our church, we all shared this. And we all kind of came up with it together. To, we, we, we illustrated with that Bethel wheel. It's just our way of illustrating how to follow Jesus and how to help other follow, others follow Jesus. And the Bethel wheel is an illustration to get us to all pull in the same direction at the same time doing the same thing so that people will, who are God will God and grow and not just come to the Lord, but grow in the Lord. And so one of the things I've always felt was it'd be great to have spokes in the Bethel wheel. That was where the bike thing came from. Did you catch that? Spokes 
Plus, I'm also craving riding my bike in the spring. But spokes in the Bethel wheel are how would a person make their way around the Bethel wheel and follow Jesus and help other people follow Jesus? And people frequently like to have specific things they can do. You don't have to use the tools I'm going to show you here in this series, but you can use them or modifications of them. And who knows, it might be your Charlotte that you get to help very precious to God, and, and their grandma is praying that somebody will love them and explain the and that they hear it, and that they will grow and follow Jesus. And what in the world is more important than that? What in the world is more valuable than that? What in the world is more fulfilling than that? What in the world is more rewarding than that? What in the world is a better way to use one's life than to follow Jesus and help other people follow Jesus? So these spokes papers are simple little some of it's just borrowed from other people that I've used over the years or I've found recently that have helped me. Now, you and I, we know that there are hard things all around us. We've already mentioned this, um, and we see it all the time. You just, uh, you can look in the news, you can look at your Facebook feed if you do that, and what you see all around are very sad and disheartening and unchristlike and ugly and, and demonic and and not pleasing to the Lord. You see that? We all see that. And yet, along with that, out on the horizon, if you pay attention to the progress of God's kingdom in the world, there are, there's a, it's imagined that we're in a drought and there's a cloud on the horizon. In missional efforts in the world, there are movements of whole groups of people coming to God in on a miraculous I was really sharp on this this week a friend of mine he said Ken are you aware there are movements in North Korea I mean we're aware that the church has been North Korea has made these things illegal he says they're are movements of thousands of Jesus groups spreading across North Korea and movements of God and people in evangelism. Uh, not just warm feelings about God, conversions, repentance, baptisms, follow, forming churches, little clusters of Jesus followers, and following God. In, in the world that's happening in places, in other places of the world, in movements, in huge movements, in uh, and we could tell stories about that all day. And that's a lot of fun, actually. They're podcasts, and you can go on YouTube, and you can, you can track some of these things because they're just exploding all over the world. So at the same time that we have all the things that are dark, and maybe even you're here today, and maybe even you, your own heart, like you're like me, and you feel the brokenness in your own heart. You wish you could follow more faithfully. You wish you had followed more faithfully. You're grieved and sad because of mistakes that you've made. Or maybe right now you're here and you're just wrestling yourself with a really dark, you know, temptation that you can't overcome. Maybe you're, you're here right now and that's how you feel. I want to speak a hopeful word to you right now. God cares about that. Comes to us where we are in our brokenness. We're not going to surprise him even with the most shameful things that we wrestle with. We're not going to surprise him. Nobody's going to be more sympathetic. Nobody's going to be more loving 
if we're confused, nobody's going to have it clear. Jesus comes to us. So at the same time that we have these dark things around us and these dark things within us, God is doing things around us and in our world. Along with that, he's also given us a very clear command that never changes, and it's all throughout the Bible. I'll show you one that I showed you last week because it's so wonderful. I want you to see it again. It's in the book of Acts, and Acts is the, um, the book of Acts. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Fifth book of the New Testament written by Luke in a little cluster, Luke, Luke Acts. Talks about the early days of the Jesus movement, the church. And it tells there at the beginning about when Jesus ascended back into heaven. It's just one of those wonderful stories of the Bible, the ascension of Jesus. Uh, Luke writes to a guy named Theophilus, obviously a Greek guy. In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all Jesus began to do and teach. He's talking about the gospel of Luke there. Until the day he was taken up, that's his ascension back to heaven after he died and rose again, through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. You should be going right now. Oh, like he died. He rose again. He met hundreds of people. He commissioned his apostles. He said, now go tell people you saw me alive. And I died for like it's pretty incredible. It's shocking, breathtaking stuff. Now, verse 4, while he was staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, which, which is short, is a theological shorthand for the Holy Spirit's going to indwell believers with power. Okay, this is why it's exciting. You think, well, I'm weak. Yes, you are. You, you're like I am. You're weak. You're inconsistent, like me. I'm ADD, I'm hyper, I'm, I confess to all of that stuff. However, however, he says, if you're my follower, I'll put my Holy Spirit within you. Now, that would give us, that should give us a little wind in our sails, no pun intended. That should, that should put a spring in our step. That should encourage us in our dark world with all these dark things that are going on around us to go, yes, there are dark things, but there's a movement of God. And yes, there are dark things, but I have the Holy Spirit living in me to empower me to serve him when I go and serve. And then uh, verse 6 says, so when they came together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And this is the end. Is this it? Is this, uh, and they said, and he said to them, this is Jesus, not for you to know the times or seasons the Father has fixed by his own authority, but here's what you do, he was saying. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be a witness to the resurrection. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's staggering. Who said that? Jesus did to his followers. And then he ascended back into heaven. When he said these things while they were looking on, he was lifted up. A cloud took him out of their sight. They were gazing to heaven. Two, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. Now it's almost like he's going, Now get at it. You heard, you heard what he said. 
Go do what? Be witnesses. Tell Charlotte and all the other little Charlottes. Just, just find a little Charlotte on your block. Can't, I'll tell you a story. Forgive me if you heard this before. It's one of my favorites. A lady is in my office one day. I say to her, are you Christian? She says, yes. I said, how'd you come to the Lord? She goes, my mom had mental illness. And so my home was very difficult because my mom struggled with mental illness. So when my mom had episodes, I had to leave the house. And she said, I would just walk down the street. And she said, there was a lady on the porch, like crochet or knitting. I don't know the difference. It's that stuff that, that nice old ladies do. And, uh, young ladies sometimes do. Anyway, and men. Anyway, lady was sitting on the porch crocheting, I think. And she says to her one time, what are you doing? What are you making? You, this is a sweet story. You, you, you probably heard it before. I might tell this a lot because I love it. My mom used to crochet these crosses. And to be honest, I would think, I love you, mom, but I don't want to crochet crosses in my Bible. Because it's not like all, you know, manly. But I love my mom, and she loved Jesus and the cross. She tells little kids every time she got a chance about that story about Jesus. And a lady on the porch says to the little girl, this is a cross. And the little girl says, what's a cross? The lady on the porch tells her about Jesus, and she says, and the minute she told me, I knew it was true. I started looking for a church. She said, I went to churches, and I knew when the churches weren't good churches. And finally, I went to a gospel preaching church, and I said, my heart said, this is it. Mom, come with me. Mom came with her to church because there's a little old lady crocheting crosses on the porch who knew how to tell the Jesus story to a little girl who'd never heard it. That should fire you up to be ready for a little girl to walk down the street and a little boy to walk down the street. And you can tell them about the Jesus story. It can change your life forever. That should never get old to us. This is the commission he gave to us. So even though there are dark things in the world and even though things that break our own hearts, even though we have brokenness within us and sin that we even fail ourselves, Yet we have this command that, uh, that's accompanied with a promise of spiritual power. <laughs> so that's something you might want to think about right there. You probably don't feel like you have spiritual power. The Bible doesn't really say you always feel spiritually powerful, but it says you will have the Holy Spirit living in you when you go as witnesses, the Spirit will be in you and empower you. That's interesting. So we have a command with the commission, and who's the commission from? Our blessed Savior, Jesus. <laughs> He's the one that said, if he walked up to you, and if I walk up to you and I go, hey, you're going to witness this week, you might go, I don't know about that. Okay, pretend it's Jesus walked up to you. And he said, is that cheating? And, I, and he says, I love you. And you go, I love you too. I do, I really do. I, I forgave you. I want you, I want to remind you, I forgave you everything. I know you did. I heard that. Is that true? Yes, it is. You, be, you be, make sure and let other people know, will you? What would you say to him? I'm scared. Okay, I'll, I'll be with you. But will you let them know? See, I, that's why I want to give you these tools. And, uh, and I have some ideas. I have some ideas that are unique to, to our church. That, and they're, see, that's just, 
we're not going to beat you up with anything. I might, like, I might cheat and, you know, like I just did and say, what if Jesus asked you? And that's kind of like hitting, that's kind of mean, right? But, but, I, but, I, but, I, but we're not going to force this on you, but I want to give you these tools so that if the Spirit tells you this is the tool you should use, then you have it. And, and we're going to put these little spokespapers into a little booklet, and then anybody who wants to could use the booklet to take a friend through these things. So you go through them yourself until they're yours, and then you take your Charlotte through them. You know, when you get to the end, they're kind of like, she can take her Charlotte through. I, Charlotte had a little friend with her today. Yeah. How sweet. I was, yeah, I noticed that. I was like, Huh. A guy called me from a church. When I was a boy, young guy, I was pastoring a church. I wasn't really good at it. Was, they're just, you know, I did what I'd been taught to do, you know, preach the gospel and then ask people if they're interested in this kid responding, but he didn't come forward in, in, in an invitation I gave him. So I didn't remember this, but he got a hold of me recently. He said, you remember what you did? I go, no. He said, you came out in the parking lot after me. <laughs> he came out in the parking lot. I go, I don't remember doing that. He goes, yeah. He says, you know, I'd, I'd raise my hand. And so you, you followed me out into the parking lot. And then you said to me, I can, I can pray with you. You can And he goes, that's when I got saved, when you, you followed me out. And I'm like, I like that story. I'm kind of the hero of that story. That's kind of cool. Not really. Jesus is the one who saves people. But, but here I was just like, I just kind of doing what I was told, not thinking that not realizing this was going to actually be a genuine, miraculous conversion of a person and they would be saved for the rest of eternity and you could follow something. I know, I know you guys are going to be going to your car looking over your shoulder going, who's following me to my car right now? But you know what I'm saying. Somebody's going to wait on you at the restaurant and you know you could say, you know, I was, <laughs> I was thinking about this when I was driving up to Grand Rapids this week. Um, this is going to be a really sloppy sermon series, just so that you know. If you're expecting order, I'm not planning a lot of order. I'm just talking from my heart, okay? So, sorry, but not, sorry. So this week, I've been spending hours in just praying about this and thinking about this, and how, does, how can I make up for lost years, and I feel like I'm older, and I just want to, so much to see people come to know the Lord and to help people, help you, help your friends come to know the Lord, and our family members that we love, and and I, and I was driving up there to speak to men, and it was a snowstorm. And uh, I stopped at uh, to get a sandwich and in, I think, Eaton Rapids or somewhere. And I was just, I'd been listening and thinking about witnessing to people. And, you know, and you can't witness very well to a person who's taken an order from somebody else with his headset. You know, that's just kind of weird. They're trying to get you through really fast. And what was kind of cool is I looked at this kid, and I know this is super lame, and I'm not recommending you do this, but it's just what I, because my heart was kind of full. I go, hey, have you had anybody tell you today Jesus really loves you? And he's like, I'm, he goes, I'm sorry. And he, <laughs> I'm taking an order. Like, and I'm like, oh, that's embarrassing, you know, and it's kind of awkward. So he gets off and he goes, I'm sorry, what did you say? And I said to him, I'm probably the first person told you today that Jesus loved you, and I'm not and he looked in my eyes, and there's something there. And that's it. That's the end of that story, right? I drove away. Now that's somebody else's business. But it's interesting, isn't it? I'm just thinking, Lord, equip us, inspire us, send us 
and help it. We're all different. We're all gifted differently. But I want to share these. I'm going to get to them. What it says, you, you know, so last week, one of the tools which I've found useful is when you want to talk with somebody, I have a friend who doesn't do your story, my story, God's story, like I talked about last week. I have a friend who just walks up to people and goes, are you okay with talking about spiritual things? That's what he does. He goes, are you okay with talking about spiritual things? Like cuts right to that and talks to people. You know, it might be for you, of course, that, that, that when you have opportunity, we'll talk about this later because that's not the subject of what I'm doing today, how to get into a gospel conversation, how, how to meet people who want to have gospel conversation, not just, you know, dive bombing people like I was telling you there. That's not what I'm getting. I'm talking about like in, in natural relationships that you have with people, how, but, but there are um, these tools. And so I want to share, I shared one last week is what you have probably have this. If you don't, you kind of want to have one of those. Last week's tool that I was talking about is the, is the three stories. Did you catch that? And the three stories are, do you remember what story number one is? Their story. You get them to talk and you can do that for a lot. That's a really great. People like that. And then there's your story, which is your short little 15 second. Tell me this, this was super helpful. He said, write down two words that characterize your life before you knew the Lord. Then he said, then write down two words that characterize your life since you've come to know the Lord. Put Jesus in the middle. <laughs> so, so in your 15 second testimony, mine would be, I didn't know what to do about my guilt or my fear of death. My dad didn't know that when he was my age either, but he took 20, 30 years to figure it out, and he told me Jesus is the answer to that. I believed in Jesus as my Savior, and I don't fear death or have live under a cloud of guilt anymore because my dad introduced me to Jesus, and I knelt and prayed to receive Christ when I was a boy. And it's, so you fit, that's the second story. And the third story is the God story. It's the story. It's how you give the gospel. That's just to today. And that is, if you wanted to show somebody the gospel, when my parents taught me this when I was a boy, they taught me a thing I'm sure many of you are familiar with. It's still very useful. It works. It's fine. Uh, how many of you know this? How many of you know you, you, the Romans road? You've heard that? The Romans road. It's kind of cool. Okay, so a lot of you don't. Uh, and it's, my dad taught me this and my mother, and they just said, and this was taught by, to them by other people. It's very simple. It, it stays in the book of Romans. And what you do is you put a series of passages in Romans that explain the gospel. Sin and the penalty for sin and the death of Christ on the cross and the need of confessing Christ. And what, it, what you do is you remember the first passage is in Romans 3.23, or you write that in the flyleaf of your Bible. You kind of cheat. My dad said, buy a New Testament and write Romans 3.23 in the first part of it. So you remember in case you're nervous and you're telling somebody about the Lord, go to Romans 3.23 and there it's underlined and you have a little 623 next to it, it's a map, like a chain reference. Are you tracking with me? And that you could go from one passage to another and just describe the gospel to somebody. And then he gave, you, you probably, again, if you've already heard this, I apologize. But, you know, and then they gave a couple of questions that you could ask somebody to kind of guide them toward that conversation. And it gets the conversation started. My goodness, I don't know how many hundreds of times I've had conversations with people using a variation on the Romans road. Are you seeing, how many of you have seen the bridge illustration? So this is, look it up on the internet. This stuff is all over the internet. They have them and you can buy them and just show people. But I like the idea of drawing them out yourself. 
So it's real. And then I, and over the years, I've drawn the bridge illustration for people at a restaurant and then always prayed they would want to keep it. And my, my happy moment is when we're all done and they go, can I keep that? I'm like, okay. Because my heart was like, are you, are you, do you value it? Do you believe? Do you get, you know, they, when they go, can I keep that? I'm always like, yeah. I remember one lady, Lynn, in a, in a previous church, um, whenever I would say something like that, she'd pull this yellow card out of the outside pocket of her Bible. She goes, I keep mine all the time. And the Lord let me lead Lynn and her husband, Phil, who's with the Lord now, to the Lord. And every time I see she goes, I keep mine all the time. Wouldn't that be fun? Of a friend that's got that holds on to the, the the bridge illustration that you drew them when you explained the gospel to them you can look up the bridge i won't show you that today but you can look up the bridge illustration it's a way of explaining to people the gospel they can be free of their sin prepared for death have a whole new life <laughs> it would be kind of cool but one i want to show you today there's a little this that we can show it here on the screen you can look at your 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 paper if you didn't get one you can get one on the way out. You can, there's an app on your phone. The Southern Baptist people are amazing on this. They got a thing called Life on Mission. If you look on your phone where you get apps and you look up Life on Mission, those people have an app they've created that you can use. I always have a soft spot in my heart. I'm not Southern Baptist, so I always have a soft spot in my heart for Southern Baptist people because they got the gospel to my dad. Bible church people got the gospel to my mom. Southern Baptist people got the gospel to my dad. Southern ba Baptist people down in Kentucky um, ministered to, like your mom was saved in the Southern, in the Campton Baptist Church. They had ministered to them when they were, that was their church there. So I'm always grateful for this aggressive evangelism. They have this app. You can look it up and it shows you these three circles. So I'll tell you a story behind this. There was a fella, um, his name is Jimmy Scroggins. He went uh, to Florida to pastor a church, and he, had, oh, he, he saw there were a number of people that were, that were living together, or they were unmarried and they needed to get married, and he said he was going to have a marriage class for them and walk them through how to have a successful marriage and, and perform their weddings. So he said the class would filled with people that were recommended by like other people that weren't even necessarily in the church. And when he began to get to know them, the one thing that he said that characterized the people was this word, brokenness, brokenness, so much brokenness. And folks, now that I've heard that, I talk to people, that's everywhere. Don't want to overdo it, but like the young man that was preaching in the Asbury Revival just before the thing broke out this past week, or renewal, or whatever you want to call it, he was talking to the kids about brokenness. There's a lot of hurt. Hurt is a way that we can approach people with the gospel because there's so much hurt. This is, this, this Jimmy Scroggins guy realized he needed to get people to a gospel conversation, which is illustrated in that bottom circle. I'll describe this to you a little bit. But he, he, but he said, I discovered the starting point was their brokenness. In other words, um, what, you know, I often will say, Get to know people, listen to their story, care about them, and feel around the edge of their soul for the brokenness where the gospel goes in. And so this is, I'm going to read you a little script. It's a little stilted, but I'm going to read you a script that goes with that graphic that you're looking at. It goes with the thing, and that way I won't overdo this, but, but he came up with this idea of a way to have gospel conversation. And here's what I imagine. 
You either have your Charlotte that's in your life or your friend from work that you have befriended and loved or golfed with or cared about or maybe they have that moment in their life where their idols have failed them or they're, they're, they're struggling with their sexuality and they're not sure what to think and they need some encouragement and help or their marriage is on the rocks, or their money has failed them, and now they're willing to talk about eternal things. And you can say, let me show you, a, let me draw you a picture that describes really the message, the, the reason that people call the Bible good news. The main message of the Bible is what they call the gospel, means good news. Can I show you, a, can I draw you a picture that shows you why the Bible is good news? Could I draw you that? And then, or you could just not ask, they, let me draw you a picture and then start drawing. But I love the idea of having an opportunity to sit down with somebody so they can tell me about their own life and their own heart and the stuff that they're going through so that I, they, that I can show them that I care about them and custom that gospel to them and actually listen to them. But let me just read it. I'm going to read it out loud. It's kind of weird. You can look this up. We can, you can find these online. You can find YouTube videos of people presenting the gospel with the three circles, dozens and dozens of them on YouTube. <laughs> so, but hey, can I show you how God comes near? You're drawing the right circle with a squiggly line representing brokenness. This is our world, but our world has a crack in it. It's broken. Turn on the TV, look at Facebook, and you see that our world, that, that the world is not the way it should be. The world is broken. Maybe you're feeling that. Draw the left circle with the love heart in the middle. There's no heart in that one that's, that we're displaying, but there is on the one that you have in your outline. Draw a line with an arrow from the left circle to the right circle. But the problem is we don't live in this world anymore the one with the heart in it. We live in a broken world. And that's because we've each gone our own way and turned our back on God and we've disobeyed. The Bible calls that. Work with me. <laughs> what, what does the Bible call that when you go your own way and do your own thing? It's sin. You write the word sin on the line. So because of sin, we live in a broken world. And the people in the broken world, they try to escape from there. And they draw a squiggly line, arrowheads going out, you know, like some try money. Like if I just won the lottery, if I could be rich, that would be the thing. It would be it, be good, and I could get out of my brokenness. But it's like a bungee cord snaps you back in, doesn't work. Some people, they try another squiggly line, relationships. If I could find the right guy, if I could find the right girl, if my family was right and normal and healthy, everything could be happy, that would be it. And I can make my way out of this brokenness that I feel. But no, that's not the answer. It's like the bungee cord. You snaps you back into brokenness. Other people say uh, money. Other people say relationships. Other people say enjoying life or indulgence or comfort or pleasure. I indulge myself if I do this or that. That will lead me out of brokenness. But, but here's what I know and here's what you know. No matter what we try, any of these things or other things, they're just like bungee cords. We run into them, but they just snap us right back into brokenness, and it feels like there's no way we can get out of the broken world, but there is good news. I like to say to people when I'm drawing this, if I told you there was a way out, what would you call that? That would be, that would be good news, and that's exactly what the Bible calls it, and that's why the Bible is good news. That's why I have good news for you, because there's a way out of this, and Jesus made a door in this. Jesus is the way out of this. Away, and you draw a little maybe like door in the thing and, and, and an arrow that goes down. Jesus is a real man, also fully God, lived a perfect life, never sinned. And then you draw that cross. But evil men hated him and crucified him on a cross. He died on the cross and was buried in a grave, but he didn't stay there. 
They draw that arrow up. This is Christmas. This is Easter. Are you tracking with me? By the way, if you think you lost me, I'll like, sit down with me. I'll show you again. On the third day, he came back to life. He was resurrected. He rose from the dead. When he came back to life, he overcame the two great enemies of sin, death, and he overcame the power, sin and death and the power of sin. You put an X through the word sin. So you see what it means to you and me is that we have an opportunity, an invitation from Jesus if we turn from our sin and if we trust in Jesus. To trust in him is the one and only way out of brokenness to be restored back into the world God intended us to live in. What that means is we make our lives, and in that one they drew the little crown. And when he, we make Jesus king of our lives, he performs a miracle. He makes us into a brand new person. When he makes us into a brand new person, he, brings to, uh, he begins to change us from the inside out, and we're restored back into the world that God intended for us to live in. And we have a brand new relationship with, with God. And there's another person that living in, that, who's still living in brokenness. So you have a person that's, that's turned and trusted and made their way out of brokenness, but the person that's still doing things their own way is still in the brokenness. Which are you? And which do you want to be? See that? You got a go- an opportunity to share the gospel. And so the person who wrote this was very helpful. It said, there's another person in brokenness. So every time I share this, I always find that people either say they're here, living in brokenness, or they're here making a new way, been made new by making Jesus king of their lives. And I always ask, where are you on this diagram? Okay, you're in brokenness. Thank you for saying that. Can I ask you a second question? Where would you like to be? Can I ask you a third question? Is there anything keeping you from turning from your sin and trusting Jesus, making him the king of your life? See that? You, you, is that? It's a beautiful, simple little tool there that God is using literally all over the world in movements. There are people all over the world in, that are speaking other languages that when you walk into their village and start witnessing, they start drawing those three circles because missionaries have been there and they'll take you to their Jesus group and the Jesus group that started from their Jesus group and their Jesus groups that started from their Jesus groups. kind of exciting when you think about whole, whole movements of that. And so I wanted you to see that. And I wanted you to see this chart that's on the back. And here's why. Many years ago, I read a book um, by a man named Joe Aldrich, who's uh, with the Lord now. And um, he helped him with something I always had trouble with. What, what, what do you do when you have somebody in your life that they don't want to hear it? Anybody have, you have somebody in your life that doesn't want to hear it? Anybody? Yeah. Really? That was it. You're going to just like, you guys make me doing all the work. You're looking at me like, if we just hold still, he'll stop soon and we can go eat. I know what you're thinking. I'm reading your mind. No. You got people that you think, man, I witnessed them, but they would not receive it. How many of you think I would witness somebody, but they would, they would not receive it? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We all have that. So what do you do? I'd say what you're tempted to do. Give up on the whole thing. Right? Just, I'm not embarrassed. Who wants to embarrass themselves? Just give up on the whole thing. You know, which is kind of like you wouldn't say it, but it's like, just let them go to, yeah, hell. Yeah, we can't do that. What do you do? Do you ba- keep badgering them? As Jesus say, badger them until they are converted? No, that's not what he says. He doesn't do that either. 
When he sent his disciples into cities, he'd say, look for receptive people. Look for persons of peace and houses of peace. And go there. And don't go to every house. Go to the house where they're receiving you. So here was a chart. The, The details of the chart are too complex. Here's the idea that the chart expresses, and that's this. Wherever you are in helping a friend or your granddaughter or somebody that you love come to where they ought to be with the Lord, take the next step gently, and if they resist or or they reject you, don't, don't get angry with them. Don't give up on them. Go back into the friendship, into the prayer. So we, around here, we say, Pray, love, invite, gospel conversation. We say that a lot. Pray, love, invite, gospel conversation. In other words, I, got, I should have a list of people I'm praying for. Literally, there's an, I found an app this week. There's literally an app that you can like list all your, your neighbors and stuff. And, that you can, and, and you can put the progress of the gospel in your name. You should, I was walking yesterday thinking, I can't save all my neighbors. A number of them are saved. Um, but I can't save my neighbor. Jesus can, but I, I can't save. I can't guarantee that all my neighbors will come to follow you. I can't guarantee that. Here's one thing I probably can do, and that is I can probably live in such a way and, and behave in such a way that every one of my neighbors would say, I don't believe it, but this is what that guy in that White House believes. And I would love to be able to say, can't right now, well, the number of them, the five that live directly around us, all but one could, but I want to be able to say, they would say, this is the gospel the way that guy believes it. I'm not sure I do, but that's definitely what he says. Okay, they got the gospel then. That would be a goal. You can't save them, but you could love them and, and graciously. And then whoever else is in your circle of influence, whoever else is in your family, whoever else God puts in your path, whoever else that you do business with, the chart here is just basically saying, go as far as you can with somebody, and then when they resist you or when they're not ready, keep praying for them, keep loving them. They won't be mad if you keep praying for them and loving them. Befriend them, and then sometime later when the Spirit gives you clearance, gently try again, try something different, move to the next person. But this has been really helpful for me. So I don't get angry and say, just write people off. Because might be, God doesn't do it without you, and we, might be we come back later. And so these are some, there's, there's so, you probably don't doubt that there's so much more that I could tell you about. When I was just a young pastor, Lois and I didn't have Kyle yet, our firstborn. I was thinking about this because um, I'm 64, and I plan to pastor as long as I can, um, uh, until Jesus comes back. And, and if the church is tired of me being there, you know, like paid pastor, then I'm going to keep witnessing to everything that moves, you know, like, so I'm just not going to quit. But here's what I feel personally, if you don't mind a little personal testimony. I feel sad I haven't led more people to the Lord. I feel sad. I feel sad I haven't been more faithful. I feel sad I haven't sown more seed. I feel like I could have. And so I wondered if you would be willing to help me and I could help you, and that is God can multiply. Whenever we come to repentance, we go, I'm sorry. He can say, watch what I do. I can multiply your efforts because I'm God. Even though you're a loser, we know that. (laughs) You're a sinner. You're not as consistent as you should be, but I can do things you can't do, and I see your heart, and I can miraculously 
do things you can't do. What if we as a church together said, we're not people that just soak in Bible truth. We're people that actually try to practice it and find people. And, and, and you know, you're all nervous, but you say, but I'll be used of the Lord. And then we multiply our efforts. So this is what the New Testament teaches. It doesn't say add. It says multiply. In other words, it doesn't say follow Jesus. It says follow Jesus by helping other people follow Jesus. And that creates a multiplication possibility. You see what I'm saying? And it's pretty exciting. So when I was a young pastor, I was just trying to do what I was supposed to do, kind of clumsily. And there was a lady that came to our church named Mrs. Hill. This was at Beaver. The first church I pastored was called Pleasant Ridge. And the second church I pastored after Lois and I got married was called Beaver Chapel on Swamp Road. Isn't that cute? Beaver Chapel. They had a little Cape Cod parsonage. There was a lady named Mrs. Hill who they say came to church some. Uh, she was on the record. And so I thought I would drive around in my car and call on all the ladies and men that, you know, that said they were in the church but didn't come very much. So I went to her house and she said, to be honest, I'm a little embarrassed because my husband drinks too much and everybody kind of around here knows that, so I'm kind of embarrassed to be out in public. And I was just a young pastor, so I'd read books about this, so I guess I'm supposed to go lead him to the Lord so that she can come to church. So I say, when, is your husband ever around? She goes, he's always out there in that shed behind the house. So I decided I would hike out there because he's a kid, and that's what they told me I was supposed to do, so I'd hike out there to that shed where that guy is. And I'm thinking there's going to be some slobbering drunk out there, you know, that's just a really bad critter. And he, he had this really cool shed with a lot of really neat things. He was really good at what he did. He made things out there, and he's a very interesting man, very pleasant, very funny. He's a storyteller. He told me some crazy neat stories. He's a very neat guy. But he also said, I don't go to church because I, I drink too much. So the roof would cave. Well, I say that. The roof would cave. I've never heard of the roof caving in when a sinner came to church, but that's what they always say. The roof would cave in, and I didn't know what to do. I just was taught, take out your New Testament, show him the Romans road, show him he could be saved. And so he didn't, he wasn't ready for that, but I would come back and I'd visit him, and, and eventually he, he prayed with me. He never came to my church. I never baptized him. I don't know all the details there. God knows. I just remember... I just remember, and I, I tried to tell that guy about Jesus. He received Christ, or he prayed a sinner's prayer. Uh, not long after that, he died, and I did his funeral. Do you remember this loss? You probably don't remember this. You will when I tell you this part. So the church, <laughs> I feel like I'm an old man reminiscing. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Um, there, the church was like a cross. <laughs> there were the people here in the front set like this, and then most, most of the people sat back there, but the door came in the middle. It, it, it's the way it was, remember that? There was a lady named Arthena in the church who wasn't really um, composed. She's just kind of like a freewheeling gal. And Mrs. Hill, after Harold died, came to church. She's a little bit late, and she came in the middle door in the middle of the service. And when she did, Arthena had a Pentecostal fit, like hollering, praising the Lord. It was actually kind of, <laughs> kind of embarrassing and happy at the same time. And I was thinking about that today. 
And I was thinking, I'm not positive that Harold is with the Lord if he was sincere. And I just don't know. The Lord knows that. I don't want to put him in the win column if he's not in the win column. But when I was thinking back about that, I thought, people ought to do, we ought to keep doing that. We ought to keep being that kind of people. That, that even though the time is dark, there are kids in your school, Lois, uh, I'll quit, you know, kind of being undisciplined here, but Lois has a sister who isn't close to the Lord. And she has a niece and a nephew that live down there in Kentucky. And this is the story that kind of came out one day. You, that um, Faith is her name. Faith is her niece's name, Faith. Faith went to school, and she had a school teacher down there in Berea, Kentucky. And uh, she was a really nice school teacher. She's really sweet and kind. And oh, wow, what a nice school teacher. We're praying for Faith and Bubs all the time, praying for LaVon all the time. And Grandma calls and she says, I might get in trouble saying this because Grandma watches my sermon sometime and she will not like me telling this. Anyway, I love you, Grandma. Anyway, she, Grandma calls. She says to me, she says to Lois, um, that school teacher was the nicest lady. She came and visited the house. She came and visited the house and she said, I live right over here, and my husband actually pastors a church right over here, and if you would ever want me to, I would stop and I would pick you up for church. But if you ever need anything, you tell me. And my th I thought, wow, that's probably a person putting their job on the line. I don't know. There's somebody who cares about people. They're, they're, so anyway, I, I thought, we're going to give you this little sheet. It's the first iteration of it. We'll have, a, we'll have seven others. will be more than that, but up to Easter, we're helping compile the next step. So we'll show you so, some tools about how to have a gospel conversation, some tools about what to do next, some tools about how to help people grow in the Lord, how to help people. And by, by the time Easter, you'll have a little booklet of things. And I trust that you will then listen to the Holy Spirit and do as he tells you. And if you're here today with us, and you need counsel or help or encouragement or you need to know how you can be right with the Lord, we would love to talk to you. I would love to talk to you. If you're a lady, we have ladies here that would just love to talk to you. And, um, but for the rest of you, you already know the Lord. Let me just commission you. Can I do that? Can I give you a, a commission to go? And, and here's what I want to suggest. I'm gonna give, we'll, get, we'll have a little sheet on this, but you can prepare for this to happen. I am going to be challenging you all to find a partner. To, I'd like to see the whole church do it. Find a partner that, that, you, that encourages you in your Bible reading and in your prayer and in your witnessing so that all through the church we're paired off and everybody has somebody that they pair off with and they can gently ask the question, how you doing? What are you getting from your Bible reading? How can I pray for you? And who, who are you praying for that's far from God? I'll tell you more about that, but that's coming. I just thought I'd let you know that's coming. You can expect that to come. But wouldn't it be wonderful for us to be able to tell the stories of what God did because he used us in, in that. Now, what we